Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, this morning, as you can see by your notes, we're going to talk about from selfish to selfless. How do we make that transition? Now, here's why it's so critical. The greatest barrier to your relationship with God is you. You and I get in the way of that, don't we? Because we want our way. We are by nature selfish people. In fact, the essence of sin is simply this. I want to do what I want, not what God wants. And whenever I have that thought and that way of acting and that way of thinking, that's called sin. So we're going to look at this morning, how do we deal with this and how do we address this? Now, fortunately for us, James, in chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, James gives us some good information so that we can get started with this. And so we're going to look at that passage, what determines whether I'm selfish or selfless? What is it that determines that? James gives us that answer. The first one is my mentality. How do I think? James says, here's what you need to know. You're selfish if you're thinking wrong. James chapter 3, verse 13. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom, from right thinking. Selfishness is a way of thinking. Your thoughts are always about you. And so you get very concerned with self. And the way I think determines whether I'm selfish or selfless. Secondly, my motives. Why do I do what I do? James chapter 3, verse 14. If you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For wherever there's jealousy, selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in evil of every kind. Selfishness, motivated by self. What am I going to get out of this? How's this going to benefit me? I want to have what I want. I want to protect me. So I'll do what I need to do so that I don't get hurt again. I'll do what I need to do so that I'll look good at this. And so we promote self. And the reason I act determines whether I'm selfish or selfless. Thirdly, my maturity. Now, let's be very clear. Maturity has nothing to do with age. You see, I've known people who are 80 who are immature. You probably do too, don't you? And so, my maturity, James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom from above is first of all pure, it's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. Boy, that's a stretch. It's full of mercy, the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It is always sincere. 
and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. You see, immature people are selfish people. They want their own way. They think they're right. Now, I've read this before, and you've probably heard it before, but I'm going to do it again. Maybe there's one or two who haven't. It's the law of ownership from a toddler's perspective of which you and I as adults sometimes get caught up in. It's basically this. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broke, it's yours. That's kind of the way it works, isn't it? Because by nature, kids are selfish. We are born that way. We want to take care of self. We want to protect self. And so, it's not what you say or how you see yourself, whether you're selfish or not. It's about your mentality. It's about your motives. It's about your maturity, what you think, why you act, and how you act. So James lays that out for us and says, look, this is the way you need to be. This is the way you shouldn't be, and you need to address it. So we're going to look at those three areas and look at how I become selfless. How do I do that? What do I need to do so that I can not serve me, but serve God? Because if you're a Christian, isn't that what you should be doing? Right? I should be serving God, not me. So how do I become selfless? First of all, to deal with my maturity or my mentality, I must get beyond myself. What am I thinking Now, too much of the time, our thoughts are just centered around ourselves. We think our opinion has value. I mean, you know, I'm getting older, and so I I found out old people can get by with saying stuff. Right? Because, oh, they're just old. Their mind's gone. They just say things. So anyway. So one of these days, somebody's going to say to me, do you want to know what I think? And I'm going to go, no. But we all have an opinion, don't we? And we all think our opinion matters. And when somebody else gives us their opinion, we know that they're wrong because my opinion is better. And so we all have this idea that, you know what? I am right. I know what's best. I know how things should work. I know what people should be doing. The politicians got it all wrong. I know what's best. I know how to deal with this. You should know what I think. Because my thoughts are the right thoughts. The writer in Proverbs addresses this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, where he says this, Unfriendly people care only about themselves, and they lash out at common sense. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. They only want to tell you what they think. So all your thoughts end up being about you. Well, you shouldn't have said that to me. I don't deserve this. 
I'm being treated wrong. Why are you being so mean to me? Why is God being mean to me? Why don't people listen to me? I know what's right. I know what's best. And you're self-centered and you think only about you. And the thing is, you think you're thinking right. And our thoughts get into trouble. When I was uh, beginning in ministry, my first place as a youth pastor was in a church and, uh, you know, there was some conflict and stuff going on and difficulties. Imagine that, a church has problems. Uh, That's just unheard of, isn't it? And some people were complaining about, oh, the pastor, all he got is one message. It's always about salvation. It's always about people needing to be saved and blah, 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 blah. And unfortunately, being young and I was going to say stupid, but I maybe shouldn't say that, but I was. I began to listen to that, and I began to think, you know what? They're right. He is just the same thing. And I came up to this place, and I'm sitting in the service. I'm listening, and it's the same message week after week after week. It's the same thing. You know, I'm just not getting fed. And suddenly, God spoke to me. Now, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just a thought that I had that I knew was smarter than me. And the thought was this, only babies need to be fed. You're an adult, stop it. Well, I knew God was right because I knew it was God. And so I stopped thinking like that and said, look, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to get something out of this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just change how I'm thinking about this. This is going to be good. I'm going to, and, and for the next two or three weeks, you know what? He got better. The reality is nothing changed with what he was doing, but it changed the way I was thinking. And the way I was thinking initially was wrong And when I changed my way of thinking, it changed my way of receiving. And sometimes our thoughts prevent God from speaking to us because we already think we know. We already have our own opinions. We already have our own ideas. And we've been having those ideas and opinions for a long, long time And thus, when change needs to happen, we can't embrace it because we think this is the way it's always been. This is the way it should be. It's about me and what I want. And so what do you have to do? You have to quit taking yourself so seriously. Please hear me. You're not that smart. None of us are. Quit thinking the world owes you something. Quit thinking that other people owe you something. Quit believing you're indispensable. Quit looking at life from your point of view. There are other ways to look at things, aren't there? There are other thoughts that you could have that are just as valid as what you think is right. I mean, we all think our thoughts are gold. And they're not. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. He says, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. 
we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Now notice here where he says, we take captive the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. So here's what you need to do. I said this in Sunday school several weeks ago, but uh, let me just say it again here. You need to stop listening to yourself and you need to start talking to yourself. You're thinking a certain way? I need to stop thinking like that. I need to think like this. This thought is more pleasing to God than the thought I have. You control your thoughts. Now, for many people, they're just lazy. They just let stuff come and go in their minds. And they latch on to whatever they want, and they let thoughts be there. Well, pastor, what kind of thoughts should I have? Well, you know, the Bible has this way of telling us, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, now, dear brothers and sisters, what's one final thing? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So when you're thinking about a negative thing about people, stop it. When you've got a complaint about something because it's not fitting what you think it should be, stop it. Think biblically. (laughs) Not physically. Not humanly. God is much wiser than we are. We have His Word to feed our minds. Think about those things. So you become selfless by controlling your mentality, your thoughts. Keep them right. So the question is very, are my thoughts and what I'm thinking, does it honor God? And if it doesn't honor God, it's wrong. Oh, but I'm right. Well, you might be right, but it's wrong. Because there's another issue that comes into play, and James has dealt with that. You've got to deal with your motives. And you see, to deal with my motives, I have to give beyond myself. Because God looks at the heart, right? God looks at the motives of what, what we're saying. Why am I acting like this? And let's be honest, most of our motives are to protect me or to get what I want. Well, but you know what? If I don't protect me, nobody else will. Oh, so God isn't in the picture anymore? Well, you know, God just wants me to give myself away. Uh, Yeah. Not just your money. He wants you to give you away. Because you see, the Bible tells us that the more we give for to honor God, the more we get in return. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. Give freely, become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, here's the thing in life. You're either a giver or a taker. If you're in a marriage and you're a taker, you will destroy your marriage. Because your motive will be, I want this. Your thoughts are, it should be this way. I'm right. 
And so therefore, I will do whatever I need to do to get my way. You manipulate, you try and control, rather than being willing to give yourself away. And when you find two people who are married together, who are willing both to give of themselves to the other, you have a very great marriage. Okay, I must be the only one who believes that. Everybody else is going, really? You know, no, no, Pastor, you don't understand. If I just give myself away to them, they'll walk all over me. So, God knows how to take care of that, doesn't He? Yeah. Well, you know, I I don't want to have to make that kind of commitment. Because you, I, I got to leave my options open. I, I, you know, what if this comes along? What if I want this? And after all, I, I deserve this. I, I, I'm owed this. People should treat me like this. And we have this whole issue of motives of why we're doing what we're doing. And James says, look, if you've got selfish ambition and that's all you're about, you're going to devour one another and you're going to end up miserable in life. Because no one likes being around a selfish person. John 13, verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're disciples. Now, okay, how do I do that? How do I love that? First John 3, 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we ought also to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And you see, we live in a world that says you better grab everything you can because nobody's going to give to you. We live in a world that says you should be self-empowered. Your identity is about you and you take care of you. But God says, look, You need to be spirit-empowered. We live in a culture that says, I have my rights. And yet when you come to Christ, we have no rights. We give them all away because we become servants of God. He becomes the boss. But how many of you know we don't like anybody telling us what to do? Do we? Okay, since that's the way, when you get in the car with somebody this morning, you have my permission to start telling them what they should be doing. And if they don't say thank you, then they're wrong, okay? Because none of us like that, do we? Well, I think, (laughs) here we go again. Well, I have a right to, do you? Because you and I have to come to that place where we understand that if I'm going to be selfless, it's not about what I think. And I need to have the motives that say, I want to honor God with what I do and how I act and how I think. I don't want to protect me. And that's really hard for all of us. But the moment you start doing that, you start putting up a barrier between you and God, don't you? Because you're going to spend your time protecting you and leaving God out of the equation. Whereas if you'll give your life away and be a giver and not a taker, God will stand up for you. God will help you. And God will take care of you. So, I got to think right. Not only do I have to think right, my motives need to be right. 
why I'm doing this becomes critical. I want to do this so God is pleased with me. I want to do this to honor Him. I want to do this so He'll get glory and not me. Thirdly, to deal with my maturity, I have to grow beyond myself. In other words, (laughs) I have to grow up. Now, let me give you one of the definitions of maturity. There are many, but let me give you one of them. Maturity is simply, I will see the world through eyes other than my own. You ever had a conversation with somebody and you thought, man, they're whacking different and everything else. And then they have a conversation and there for a moment they tell you their story and what they've been through and you go, oh, that's why they're like that. You see, we don't see the world as clearly as we think we do. We think we have 20-20 eyesight. In reality, we need glasses that are thicker than Coke bottles. Because you see, I have to grow to a place where I'm not thinking of me, but I'm thinking of others. What can I do good for them? How can I act? Because you know what? You can think right, you can have great motives, but if you don't act right, it doesn't matter, does it? And you can act right, but if you've got the wrong motives, it doesn't do any good, does it? And you can even have some, oh, I want to do this, but your thoughts are wrong. And so we come to that place where I'm willing to think of others more than me. And I'll act in a way that will benefit others at the detriment of what I get. Every parent should understand this. You are willing to lay down your life for your kids so that they can have and you'll do without. In fact, that's why a lot of younger couples aren't having kids. Well, if I have kids, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to get to go here. I'm not going to get to do this. You know, and I want to have my freedom and the kids will just tie me down and I'll have to be, you know, giving myself to them so I'd just rather not. Selfish. But raising kids is hard. You bet it is. God knows that better than anybody else. Raising kids is hard. But you see, you're willing to do that because you're not a selfish person. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others more or as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest. Take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross, willing to live for somebody other than himself, willing to lay down his life, Now, if I go on in that same passage, it tells us that because he did this, God exalted him. God rewarded him. And the same God is still doing that today, isn't he? 
if I'll do that. So I act responsibly. I do what is right. I do what is pleasing to God. Would God want me to think like this? Would God want my heart to be such that the reason I'm doing it is right for Him? Would God want me to act like this? It's not about what I think. It's not about how I see things. It's not about what I believe is right or wrong. I will do what is right. I won't just take the easy way. I won't just do what feels good. And we say, God, would you help me not to live for me and help me to live for you? Because I'll just tell you, if you choose to live for you, you will be a mess. Well, I think I know what's best. We'll see how that plays out. Help me to grow so I can be selfless. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So the battle is, am I going to live for me or am I going to live for God? Now, if you're listening today and you're not a Christian, here's what you need to do. You need to come to a point where you say to God, God, I will stop living for me and I will start living for you. And if you're a Christian today, you need to ask yourself, you know what, am I uh, living a selfless life? Is there one of these areas where I really need to work on? Well, Pastor, I, I don't know, why is this so important? Because when you live for yourself, you'll destroy your relationships. When you live for yourself, you'll make enemies at work. When you live for yourself, no one wants to be around you. When you live for yourself, you're usually an angry person. When you live for yourself, you're not living for God. No man can serve two masters. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you're selfless. Now, Jesus made it very clear. Matthew chapter 16, 24, he's talking to his disciples. Here's what he says to them. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross. Cross is a place of dying to self. And follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. You'll make a mess of it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So the question today is a very simple one. Are you selfish or selfless? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have an option in that. He caused you and I to live a selfless life. That we think in a manner that is pleasing to God, not to self. 
that we have motives in a heart that says, I want to help others and I want to honor God with everything I do and say. And then our actions back it up. So maybe you're here today and listening today and you're not a Christian. And you know that it's time for you to step across that line and come to God and say, God, okay, I've lived for myself up to this moment and things haven't been going really well. I need to live for you and not for me. Forgive me. Or maybe you're a Christian here today and you've listened. And you say, you know what? I've got an area here that I really need to work on. This is something I'm struggling with and I need to ask for God's help so that I can live a selfless life as He wants me to and as I want to. So before I dismiss you, could we just take a moment, each one of us, just right where you are, between you and God. God, here I am. Here's my issue. Here's what I know I need to address. Would you help me? Could we take a time and do that? Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.